Hey everybody, this is Ruben, and you're listening to Amazing Stories. Mr. Spalner put his hands over his face. There was the feeling of movement in space, the beautifully tortured scream, the impact and tumbling of the car with wall through wall, over and down like a toy, and him hurled out of it. Then silence. The crowd came running. Faintly where he lay, he heard them running. Where the crowd came from, he didn't know. He struggled to remain aware, and then the crowd faces hemmed in upon him, hung over him like the large glowing leaves of downbent trees. How swiftly a crowd comes, he thought, like the iris of an eye compressing in out of nowhere. A siren, a police voice, movement. Blood trickled from his lips, and he was being moved into an ambulance. Someone said, is he dead? And someone else said, no, he's not dead. And the third person said, he won't die. He's not going to die. And he saw the faces of the crowd beyond him in the night, and he knew by their expressions that he wouldn't die. And that was strange. He saw a man's face, thin, bright, pale. The man swallowed and bit his lips, very sick. There was a small woman, too, with red hair and too much red on her cheeks and lips. And a little boy with a freckled face. Others' faces. An old man with a wrinkled upper lip. An old woman with a mole upon her chin. They had all come from where? Out of alleys and out of hotels and out of streetcars, and seemingly out of nowhere they came. The crowd looked at him, and he looked back at them and did not like them at all. There was a vast wrongness to them. He couldn't put his finger on it. They were far worse than this machine-made thing that happened to him now. The ambulance doors slammed. Through the windows he saw the crowd looking in, looking in. That crowd that always came so fast, so strangely first, to form a circle, to peer down, to probe, to gawk, to question, to point, to disturb, to spoil the privacy of a man's agony by their frank curiosity. The car wheels spun in his mind for days, one wheel, four wheels spinning and whirring around and around. He knew it was wrong. Something wrong with the wheels and the whole accident, and the running of feet and the curiosity. The crowd faces mixed and spun into the wild rotation of the wheels. He awoke. How do you feel? asked the doctor. The wheels faded away. Mr. Spawner looked around. Fine, I guess. He tried to find words about the accident. Doctor? Yeah? Do accidents make people, well, a little off? Temporarily, sometimes. He lay staring up at the doctor. Does it hurt your time sense? Panic sometimes does. Makes a minute seem like an hour, or maybe an hour seem like a minute. Yes. Let me tell you, then. The crowd got there too quickly. Thirty seconds after the smash, they were all standing over me and staring at me. It's not right they should run that fast, so late at night. You only think it was thirty seconds, said the doctor. It was probably three or four minutes. Your senses... Yeah, I know. My senses. The accident. But I was conscious. I remember one thing that puts it all together and makes it funny. God, so damn funny. The wheels of my car upside down. The wheels were still spinning when the crowd got there. The front wheels. Wheels don't spin very long. Friction cuts them down. And these were really spinning. Oh, you're confused. 
said the doctor. I'm not confused. That street was empty, not a soul in sight. And then the accident and the wheels still spinning and all those faces over me, quick in no time. And the way they looked down at me, I knew I wouldn't die. Simple shock, said the doctor, walking away into the sunlight. I seem to have a penchant for accidents, he said in his office two weeks later. It was late afternoon. His friend sat across the desk from him listening. I got out of hospital this morning, and first thing on the way home, we detoured round a wreck. There was a crowd. Ah, things run in cycles, said Morgan. But it was funny, you must admit. I must admit. Now, how about a drink? They talked on for half an hour or more. All the while they talked, at the back of Spalding's brain, a small watch ticked, a watch that never needed winding. It was the memory of a few little things, wheels and faces. At about 5.30, there was a hard metal noise in the street. Morgan nodded and looked out and down. What I tell you? Cycles, a truck and a cream-colored Cadillac. Spawner walked to the window. He was very cold, and as he stood there, he looked at his watch at the small second hand. One, two, three, four, five seconds, people running. Eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. From all over, people came running. Fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, eighteen seconds. More people, more cars, more horns blowing. Curiously distant, Spolner looked upon the scene as an explosion in reverse. The fragments of the detonation sucked back to the point of impulsion. Nineteen, twenty, twenty-one seconds, and the crowd was there. Spolner made a gesture down at them, wordless. The crowd had gathered so fast. He saw a woman's body a moment before the crowd swallowed it up. Spolner was out of the door, Morgan after him, and down the stairs as rapidly as possible. Come along, hurry. Take it easy. You're not a well man. They walked out under the street. Spolner pushed his way forward. He thought he saw a red-headed woman with too much red color on her cheeks and lips. There, he said wildly to Morgan. Did you see her? See who? Oh, damn it, she's gone. The crowd closed in. He saw another familiar face. A little freckled boy ran away and vanished among the people. Is she dead? A voice asked. Is she dead? She's dying, someone else replied. She'll be dead before the ambulance arrives. They shouldn't have moved her. They shouldn't have moved her. All the crowd faces, familiar yet unfamiliar, bending over, looking down, looking down. Spawner came back out, and Morgan caught hold of him before he fell. They moved her, Morgan. Someone moved her. You should never move a traffic victim. It kills them. It kills them. Yeah, that's the way with people, the idiots. Spawner arranged the newspaper clippings carefully. Morgan looked at them. What's the idea? Ever since your accident, you think every traffic scramble is part of you. What are these? Clippings of motor car crack-ups and photos. I hired a clipping service while I was in hospital to go back through the newspapers. Look at them. Not at the cars, said Spawner, but at the crowds around the cars. He pointed. Here. This woman is in both pictures. Ten years apart. Coincidence. The woman happened to be there once in 1976 and once in 1986. A coincidence may be. 
but 12 times over a period of 10 years, when the accidents occurred as much as three miles from one another? Oh, no. Here. He dealt out a dozen photographs. She's in all of these. And why does she wear the same clothes and pictures taken over a period of a decade? I'll be damned, so she does. And why was she standing over me the night of my accident two weeks ago? They had a drink. Morgan went over the files. What does all this add up to? I don't know, said Spolna, except that there's a universal law about accidents. Crowds gather. They always gather. And like you and me, people have wondered year after year why they gathered so quickly and how. I know the answer. Here it is. He flung the clippings down. It frightens me. They always show up together. At a fire or an explosion or on the sidelines of war, at any public demonstration of this thing called death. Vultures, hyenas or saints. I don't know which they are. I just don't know. But I'm going to the police with it this evening. It has gone on long enough. One of them shifted that woman's body today. They shouldn't have touched her. It killed her. He placed the clippings in a briefcase. Morgan got up and slipped into his coat. Spolner clicked the briefcase shut. Oh, I just happened to think. What? Maybe they wanted her dead. Spolner took it slow driving downtown. He was rather shocked, but not surprised somehow, when the truck came rolling out of an alley straight at him. He was just congratulating himself on his keen sense of observation and talking out what he would say to the police in his mind when the truck smashed into the car Morgan had lent him. He was forced back and forth in several lightning jerks. Then all motion stopped, and only pain filled him up. He heard their feet running and running and running. He fumbled with the car door. It clicked. He fell out upon the pavement drunkenly and lay ear to the asphalt, listening to them coming. It was like a great rainstorm, with many drops, heavy, light and medium, touching the earth. Weakly, expectantly, he rode his head up and looked. The crowd was there. He tried to move and he realized something was wrong with his spine. He hadn't felt much at the impact, but his spine was hurt. He didn't dare move. Someone said, Give me a hand. We'll roll him over and lift him into a more comfortable position. Spolner's brain burst apart. No, don't move me. You idiots, you'll kill me. Don't. Hands took hold of him. They started to lift him. He cried out, and nausea choked him up. They straightened him out into a ramrod of agony. Two men did it. One of them was thin, bright, pale, alert, a young man. The other man was very old and had a wrinkled upper lip. A familiar voice said, Is he dead? Another voice, a memorable voice, responded, No, not yet, but he will be dead before the ambulance arrives. They were all around him, these judges and jurors with the faces he had seen before. Through his pain, he counted their faces. The freckled boy, the red-haired, red-cheeked woman, an old woman with a mole on her chin. I know what you're here for, he thought. You're here just as you're at all accidents, to make certain the right ones live and the right ones die. 
That's why you lifted me. You knew it would kill. You knew I'd live if you left me alone. And that's the way it's been since time began when crowds gather. You murder much easier this way. Your alibi is very simple. You didn't know it was dangerous to move a hurt man. You didn't mean to hurt him. Who are you? Where do you come from? And how do you get here so soon? You're the crowd that's always in the way, using up good air that a dying man's lungs are in need of, using up space he should be using to lie in alone, tramping on people to make sure they die. That's you. I know all of you. Eyes inverted over him, faces. Somewhere a siren. The ambulance was coming. But looking at the faces, the construction, the cast, the form of the faces, Spolner saw it was too late. He read it in their faces. They knew. He tried to speak. A little bit got out. It looks like I'll be joining up with you. I guess I'll be a member of your group now. He closed his eyes, then waited for the coroner. Thank you for listening, and don't forget to join us tomorrow for yet another amazing story.